Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Through the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter number 8, Ecclesiastes chapter number 8 is where we'll be this evening. We've been making our way through the book of Ecclesiastes for the last couple of months, and hopefully you are uh, growing in the Scripture here and getting some things from this as we search through the, the search of Solomon's life as he is searching Uh, for the hope of life, for the answers to life. And I believe that is a search that many uh, men and women, as they make their way through life, are in search of what the answers to life hold. And many uh, search for it and many fail uh, to find the answers of life. And I will tell you, if one such as Solomon was unable to find the answers to life's greatest questions, uh, you and I will fail miserably uh, to find those same answers. And yet we search, and yet we strive uh, to come to a conclusion And I will tell you, by the time we get to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, we will see a conclusion. And we will see the conclusion of the whole matter of Solomon's search. And I find it to be one that is very fascinating uh, in Solomon's search for the answers of life. And it's one that uh, I hope that you will... Uh, find fascinating as well. But tonight we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and he begins with a question as he asks, Who is as the wise man? Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? So he begins by asking, Who is as the wise man? Who is like the wise man? Or who is wise? He says, And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Who can interpret something? He's asking. But he says here, A a man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. So he asks this question, Who is as the wise man, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Now as he asks this question, these two questions... He begins to say, a man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. What he means by this is when a man knows the answer to a question, you can see it on his face, can't you? I mean, when when you just know, and also when you don't know. If you've ever taught a class, um, and, and I've had the opportunity to teach a few classes teaching young people, Um, You can always tell the ones who know the answer versus the ones who do not know. And it's obvious. And I've sat in some classes before, and I always uh, disliked the teachers that would ask a question, 
and they would ask a question that they wanted to know who knew the answer, and as it was the case in many classes, the protocol was, if you knew the answer, you did what? Raise your hand. And so many of the class would raise their hand, and one of the best, or in my case, worst teaching techniques, would be to call on one who does not have their hand up, right? Ooh. I often did not have my hand up, and I did not like the teachers that would call on me when I did not have my hand up because I rare, most of the time did not know the answer, and they could probably see it on my face. There were a few occasions, though, where I was able to guess the answer, or thought I may not have known the answer, but I did know the answer, but in most cases, not as the wise man, nor did I know uh, the interpretation of a thing, and when asked the, for the answer, didn't know, and it was on my face. But then there were other times when I could raise my hand and I would beg the teacher, oh, please call on me, please call on me, because I know this answer, and then they wouldn't call on me. How many of you can relate to that? I mean, it's all over your face. Oh, I know the answer. And that's what Solomon is saying here. A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight, Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. A wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore... The misery of man is great upon him, for he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. There is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. All this have I seen, and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. And so I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also, is van- this is also vanity. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. We'll stop there for sake of time this evening. But as Solomon has been on this journey... He has searched. 
And in the first chapter, he revealed to us that searching was not enough. Simply not enough. In the second chapter, he revealed to us that riches and entertainment were not enough. He tried. He gave his life to it, his heart to it, his wisdom to it. He revealed to us throughout this book already that work was not enough. He tried to compare things in life and found that comparing things was not enough. In his search and in his journey, he found that the good life was not enough. He found that wisdom itself was not enough. Everything that Solomon gave his life to in this search for the answers of life up to this point was not enough. And in this, in his search, the search of power, of death and life itself, was also not enough. Not enough. So shall we look at that this evening? In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, as Solomon continues his search, that is not enough. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I would dare say tonight there are countless people on this planet that are spending their lives and spinning their minds and their wheels of life in search of answers only to come up empty, just as Solomon did. Only to come up in life with no answers or with answers that make no sense. God, I, I, I know that when we look at the wisdom of man, the answers that we come to and that we find will never make sense. So, Father, tonight I pray and I ask that you would help us as Bible believers to come to a place of truth, to come to a place of Scripture, to find the true answers of life, a place of your Son, Jesus Christ. That we might know who you are. And that we might rest in your goodness. God, help us in this. As we look at this passage tonight, may we once again conclude that this search will never be enough as long as we search in the wrong place. May we search you and you alone. 
Help us to find that. The truth is in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to see first this evening the fact that the power of death is the supreme ruler. In the first few verses, Solomon is comparing the ruler of a king. And he says in verse 2, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, he says, there is power. There is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? In this first few verses, of course, Solomon, being a wise man and being the king himself, he knows the power that he has, even in his very own word. The power that he holds at his very own command. The power that he holds at the stroke of his own hand. And he says, you would be wise, and I counsel thee to simply keep the king's commandment. In verse number 5, he says, Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. He says, you're not going to have distress. You're not going to uh, have an uncharted uh, territory. You're not going to uh, feel the wrath of the king or the wrath of the law if you will simply follow and keep the commandment of the king. This afternoon, after church, we were uh, driving home. And on the drive home, we passed a police officer. And I was driving. And I was not nervous at all. Not at all. You know why? I was doing the speed limit. Nothing to worry about. Now, had I not been doing the speed limit, I would have been nervous. I would have slowed down. I would have put the brakes on. I would have uh, done all kinds of things. Had I not had my seatbelt on, I would have been reaching for it. I would have been checking all around. I, I would have acted differently, but because I was doing what the law requires, you know what? I didn't do anything differently. I was within the commandment, and I didn't feel no evil thing. Didn't have to worry about a thing. There have been other times in my life, multiple times, when I felt the evil thing. There have been times in my life when I didn't even know there was a police officer nearby. There was one time in particular, I was 20 years old and driving through the state of North Carolina. 
It was roughly 1.30 in the morning. I was with my best friend, Doug, and his little brother, Kyle, was in the back, sleep, back seat. He was sound asleep. And uh, Doug was on the telephone, and we were driving through North Carolina, and it was late, and we had gotten lost, and somehow we had wound up in South Carolina where we were not even supposed to be. We stopped at a gas station when we saw the sign for South Carolina, and we got our directions, and this was before we had uh, GPSs, and we looked at a map and found out where we were supposed to be and turned around and got back on the road, and uh, to make up time, I was traveling a little over the speed limit. I was fracturing the speed limit just a little bit and uh, decided to make up that time just a, just a hair. And uh, so we were the only car on the road. No one else on the road, and it was a four-lane uh, highway. And uh, the speed limit, I know, was 55 miles an hour. And uh, we were going a little bit over that and uh, just kept going, and I had the cruise control on, and uh, all of a sudden, a car uh, got behind me, and they got really close to me, and everybody knows what you do when a car comes up close to you uh, late at night, and you're the only car on the road. What do you do? You go faster. And so I went just a little bit faster, and so uh, I, as I got a little bit faster, the uh, car decided, and I was in the right-hand lane, and that car decided that he was going to get over uh, into the left-hand lane, and as every man in the room knows, you don't let anybody pass you. Amen? And so he got faster, and I got faster. And my buddy Doug, as he's on the phone, again, it's 1.30 in the morning, we're the only two cars out on the road. This car's going fast, I'm going fast, I'm just trying to get home to where we're going. And then that car, as I reached over 55, that car decided that he was going to slow down and get back behind me. And as he got behind me, his lights turned all different colors. I got nervous. I felt the evil of that king's law and commandment. Oh yeah, I felt it. It was there that I learned. You don't do that in North Carolina. It was enough excess of speed that the officer offered me a ride with him, to which I declined, because he also offered me to follow him or ride with him. I decided to follow him, and we went to what he called the magistrate's office. The magistrate was a nice man that we got to meet at 2 o'clock in the morning, as I had to find money at an ATM machine to not have to spend the night with the magistrate. Oh yeah, it was not a pleasant feeling. The magistrate, we told him, we got to know the guys real, it was actually a pleasant time, but I learned a lot that night. He talked to us and we actually, I promise you, I promise you this, it was, such, it was such a 
interesting experience. We even read the Bible together. I promise we did. We told him we were Bible college students, and he got his Bible out, and we read together. Uh, It did not give us any mercy uh, in that, other than he took our money and eventually let us go after we paid uh, in all of that. But notice he says, whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. Now, I felt an evil thing that night. But he says, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Judgment is the understanding of what is right and wrong. But notice this in verse number 6. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him. Now hold on a second. The misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? What's he talking about? When what shall be? For who knoweth not that which shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? Notice what he says in verse 8. This explains it all right here. There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. The real power is not the king. The real power is not the government. The real power is not within the wisdom of man, the judgment that you and I have within our own mind. The power of death is the supreme ruler. Because as it says in verse number 8, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. You see, the Bible later on goes on to say there is a time appointed unto death. Every man has an appointment with death that we all will face one day. And it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. No man will escape. No man will pass death. For death will come upon all men. The power of death is the supreme ruler. He goes on. As he says, I've seen it all. He said, all this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. and They were forgotten in the city. Where they had so done, this also, this is also vanity, he says. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them that do evil. Can I say, the power of death is not just the supreme ruler, but the power of death is passed upon the just.
as well as the unjust. To every man it's passed upon. In verse 12, the Bible says, Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him, but it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. You see, death is going to come and pass upon the just and the unjust. It comes upon all men. And it doesn't matter what the king says. It doesn't matter what the king does or doesn't do. His power won't stop it. Your knowledge won't stop it. Your purpose, your timing, your judgment. There's no power over the Spirit, as it says in verse 8, to retain the Spirit. I have a friend of mine I met several years ago. He's a chiropractor, and he, he's, all, he's all about health. And it's all about prolonging health and being healthy. And he, he teaches a seminar uh, often, and he, he, he gets new clients through this. And uh, he, he teaches this seminar about how, how to live to be 110 How to live to be 110. Now, I just want to take a quick poll. Who would like to live to be 110? Anyone? Seriously? I, just, I thought there'd be a few more. No one? I mean, I have like three people. Four. No one else wants to be 110. I would kind of like to make it to 110. As long as I'm healthy, right? See, that's the problem. See, you think you're not going to be healthy enough to make it to 110. All right, let me rephrase the question. If you can make it to a spry, healthy, still, walk, breathe, talk, cognitive of your own volition, drive, do everything you do now to 110, how many would like to make it there? Oh, okay, okay, very good. Uh, that changes everything. See, some of you are like, yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not going there. Uh, okay, that changed everything. Uh, so he does this seminar on uh, how you can live to 110, and he goes through uh, making these changes in your health and in your life, and uh, he goes through how chiropractic care can uh, change and do this uh, for your life and help you make it to live to be 110. Now, uh, I'm not going to say that those folks that are doing that, even him uh, in himself, is going to make it to 110 or not going to make it to 110. But here's what I am going to say is this. There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Amen. 
You know what I mean by that. We can do all that we want to do, and we can do all that we can to live as healthy as we can. And we have no power over our own spirit. Because it's appointed unto man once to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. And we have no power over our own spirit. Now again, I'm not against living healthily. I think we should. Make wise choices. Make good choices. Live healthy. But at the end of the day, we have no power over our own spirit. We're not going to make enough advances in science, in health, to overcome the power of death. Solomon had that figured out. In his search, he figured out there is no escaping death, folks. It's coming. Number three. The power of death is greater than work or wisdom. As he says in verse number 15, after he goes through all of that about death and the power of death, he says, then, then I commended mirth because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor, the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. Let me ask you something. Are you enjoying your life? Do you enjoy life? Because here, this is what Solomon says. He says, then I commended mirth. That word mirth is simply just a social merriment, an excitement or a cheerfulness of life. He says, this is what I commend. Do you know what I find, though? Do you know what I find in many people, including Christians? We don't enjoy life. How is it that God has given us the greatest gift in all of the world, that of eternal life? A relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And yet, we don't enjoy it. We don't enjoy life. And when we go through life and we just, we spin our wheels and we end up miserable. We don't get what we want. I will tell you that's number one, by the way, of why we're not enjoying our lives. Most of the time is because we're not getting what we want. Or, or just the same thing, we do get what we want. 
we do get what we want, and it's not enough. Remember, Solomon, he hated life. He hated life. He got everything he wanted. See, but he says here, eat, drink, and enjoy life. (laughs) He says, I commend this. But are you enjoying life? Are you content with life? If you died today, would you die happy? Would you die content? Would you die fulfilled? He says, when I applied mine heart to know wisdom, and to see the business that is done upon the earth, For also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes. Then I beheld all the work of God that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further though a wise man think to know it, Yet shall he not be able to find it. This is where we start to see Solomon begin to somewhat see in his search. That God's ways are simply past finding out. He said, I've given all of my wisdom to know, to see, to try to figure God out. And all that I have figured out is that I can't figure it out. In all of God's work, shall never be able to find it. If you look at verse 1 of chapter 9, he says, For all this I considered in mine heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hated by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous, to the wicked, and to the good, and to the clean, to the unclean, to him that sacrifices, sacrificeth, and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. He that sweareth, he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. But there is one event unto all. Yea, also, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after, they, and after that, 
They go to the dead. Once again, he's concluding power of death is the supreme ruler. We will all face death. All men alike. But, but, death is not the end. It's not the end. There is a thing known as eternity. Eternity is forever. And in this eternity, there is either a gift of eternal life, which is through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the only way to have and hold eternal life. It's the gift of God. By trusting and believing in Jesus Christ, God's gift, or there is eternal death. Death forever. Life forever or dying forever. That's it. That's it. But death here is not final. Eternal life in heaven or eternal death forever in hell. You see, it's not a game. It's not a, not even an eternal gamble. Not when there is, not when there is a guarantee of eternal life when we can trust Jesus Christ. No one has to experience eternal death. No one has to. But many will. Many will. But you don't have to. But you must trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. His finished work on the cross of Calvary. You will face a physical death. In the end, it's the power that, that is. Solomon figured that out. We have it. We will face it. And in the meantime, what he's getting at here is simply enjoy your life. Simply enjoy your life. Listen, listen to me. Life is too short for us to be miserable in it. Too short to be miserable in it. So may we eat, drink, and be merry. Abiding with God here. We're going to abide with Him there. Let's enjoy it here, amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, please.